God, we come before you this morning and we just thank you uh, for your goodness. God, we just want to give this time to you. We just want to make you the focus and the center. So just take over, God. Ask your spirit into this place that you would just make this your time, God. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. I have to admit that I'm a little nervous because this is my first time preaching in front of, well, I was going to say it's my first time preaching in front of my son, Jet, but he's already asleep even. He's not even listening, so way to go, Jet. Hey, my name is Jordan. I'm the student pastor here, and we currently have no lead pastor, and the interim is gone, and the backup to the interim is gone, and the backup to the backup is gone, so guess who's fifth up to bat? That's right, the five hole. Um, I... Uh, I just have to say, I really love teaching here at this church. I really love teaching to you guys, and it's just like my favorite. So thank you for allowing me to. I know you guys didn't like get together and have a vote or anything, but um, you haven't kicked me out. So thank you so much. I, I'm really excited to be here. Um, before we even get into the word, well, we're going to be in the word, but before we get into the lesson today, um, there's a verse that I think is really good to open up. Whenever you are going to read the word, and it's Psalm 119.18. So if you have your Bible, which I hope you do, open up there. And if this thing is not underlined or highlighted or something, and you're one of those people who do that to your Bible, I advise that you do it because it is such a good, good verse. Psalm 119.18. I just want to start with this today. It's David writing to God. And he's asking God, he says, God, open my eyes that I may see the wonderful things in your law. And it's just this reminder that we can come to the word as much as we want, and I can preach as much as I want, but if God isn't in it and he's not the one that's showing us things, it really is like a resounding gong, like there's no point to it. So I just ask, um, I want to ask again that God would just fill this place and just show us what we have um, to learn today. So let me just pray, <coughs> excuse me, one more time. God, Psalm 1918, that's our prayer today, God. Um, just like David asked for his eyes to be opened, we ask for our Eyes and ears to be open, God, I ask for this message that it would just be from you, God. That it, it would not be my voice, that people wouldn't take my voice away, but it would truly be you speaking to their hearts today, God. We just ask for your spirit to fill this place. Um, we ask for your truth, not mine. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. <clears throat> okay, so today, slides, if they're going to they're gonna go for us here, maybe. Yes, today, we are, we are going over Ephesians 2, 4 through 10. We've been in Ephesians for roughly eight years now, and we're coming up on the end. Um, so John last year really set us up, because my little section 4 through 10 is only part of the story here. The whole section of this that really should not be broken up is, is Ephesians 2, 1 through 10. And John did a great job of, of telling the first half last week, and we're going to cover the second half this week. So just a, a quick reminder, what did John cover last week? Well, in... in Two, one through three, um, this is what John went over. Um, he went over the ugliness of us, right? He gave us the bad news. He was kind of bad cop. I got to be good cop. He was bad news. I'm good news guy, so that's good. But he talked about how dead we are in our sins, right? The fact that we are children of wrath. We are dead in our sins. We are being led around by this world, and, and our desires are with this world. They're not with God. And so he really left us on a cliffhanger last week because it was kind of a dark a dark place, right? And we were pointing towards this week of, okay, now we're going to learn about God's answer to all of that, the way that God breaks into that situation and changes it up. And so that's, what we're, that's our starting point today, and, and we're going to go ahead and read from there. I'm actually going to read out of the ESV. 
Um, but I'm going to start in verse 4. So if you, if you are in your word, Ephesians 2, 4 through 10. I just want to read this, and then we'll pick it up, <clears throat> and we will uh, go through it. So here we are, Ephesians 2, 4 through 10. Mine's the ESV, yours might be a little different. Starting in verse 4. But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he's loved us, uh, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ, by grace you've been saved, and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you've been saved through faith, and this is not of your own doing. It is the gift of God. It's not a result of works so that no one can boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. That's a lot. <laughs> That's a lot to cover. Um, we're going to fly over it today, and, and the essence is that that is good news. That is an excellent, hopeful answer to what we learned last week. Um, but here's the thing. Maybe, maybe you're sitting there, and maybe you are still sitting in verses 1 through 3, right? Maybe you're thinking, you know what? That's great. That's a really good verse. It sounds good. But I am captive to more things than you even know about. I'm more captive to... I'm captive to more things than anyone here knows about, right? Like, I have a lot going on. Um, maybe you're, you're still sitting in verses 1 through 10. You're thinking, you know what? I know I come to church, but I've done a lot of bad things, and I'm going to get what I deserve one day. I deserve punishment, and I know, I know that's what I'm going to get because I deserve it, and that's, that's what I have coming for me. And if that's where you're sitting, if that's where you're living day in, day out, then you are living in verses 1 through, th- one through 3, and I implore you, read on. Like, 4 through 10 is your life. It's, it's what God has for you. But God, right? But God, remember these words as you come across any obstacle in your life. This is, this is our answer for the things that, that we cannot handle on our own, right? We, are ch- we were children of wrath, but God promises to use his riches to show us his kindness forever. We were being led around by a foreign ruler, but God seated us with him in heaven. We were dead in our sins, but God makes us alive together in Christ. I'm telling you guys, this is how, this is how our God works. He sees a situation and he doesn't leave the situation alone. He inserts himself into it and the situation is forever changed. That's how, that's how our God does it, right? That's how he's done it throughout the Bible. Virgins don't have babies, right? Virgins don't have babies, but God, yeah? Dead men, they don't, they don't get up. They don't come back to life, but God. The sick, the sick, they don't get healed. It's not that easy, but God. The lame don't just get up and walk away, but God. And sinners don't get second chances, right? Sinners don't get second chances, but God. Guys, this is the God that we serve, and so this is where we're starting from today. This is our starting point. It's the fact that our God is a circumstance changer, that he doesn't just see us in verses 1 through 3 and see our deadness and leave us. He inserts himself into the situation, and it is forever changed. Here's where I'm going to go today. Here's where we're going. I want to give you a little roadmap so you're not lost. Um, 
we're going to take a verse from, from 1 through 3, and we're going to pair it up with a verse in 4 through 7. And it is going to show us our, our transformation here, our transition, right? So, so let's just, let me just say where we're going to go. Verses 1 through 3, we were children of wrath, but God promises to show us his kindness and his grace forever. And then we're going to talk about verse 2 against verse 6. We were following the ways of this world, but God freed us, and he seated us with himself in heaven. And then we're going to compare verse 1 with verse 5 and 6. We were dead in our sins, but God made us alive in Christ. So this is the road map for where we're going. If you get lost, Backpack is there to help you out. He's, he's got you, okay? So verses 3 through 7 is where we're going to start. So here's our first one. We were children of wrath, but God promises to show us the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward us forever. Okay, what does that mean? What does it mean to be a child of wrath, right? Because that's not really a term we use a lot outside of church. The term child of wrath means that we were so evil, we were so rebellious, we were so wrong, that we were headed straight to hell and it was justified. It was how it should have been because we deserved it. Like no one objectively could look in and say, I don't know. I don't, I don't think you deserve to go there. No, we were so wrong and so rebellious against God that we were headed straight to hell and we deserved it. And it's what should have happened. That's what it means to be a child of wrath. But God, in verse 7, in the coming ages, he promises to show us the surpassing riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Jesus Christ. Let, let's try and break this down. Let me ask you a question. If you could choose anybody in the universe to show you kindness, who would you pick? Think about that. If you could pick anybody in the whole universe to show you kindness, who would you pick? Maybe some of you would pick the GM of your favorite sports team, right? They would hook you up with tickets and gear. You could meet the players. It'd be awesome. That'd be a great pick. Maybe my thought was like, if I know some big real estate mogul who has property all over the world, they let me stay wherever I want for free, like that would be really good. Or maybe you would choose like the CEO of your favorite company and they could just shower you with merch. You just get free stuff all the time. Like, those are, those are good people to pick to show you kindness. Of course, there's one answer that is wiser than the most, right? That is God, of course. And it's because, one, his resources are limitless. Everything is under God. He, he owns everything. And, two, he knows how to show you kindness even better than you do because he knows what you want even more than you do. So God, obviously, is the wisest choice. And, guys, this text has just promised us that. God has promised to show us kindness forever, he has promised to, to use all he has to show us kindness in the coming ages. Um, I don't know if you guys know who Jeff Bezos is. Jeff Bezos, anybody know who that is? He's the CEO of Amazon, and he was just named the richest man in modern history. He is worth, this is going to blow your mind, he is worth $156.7 billion with a B dollars. That's ridiculous. You know the most disgusting thing about that is that that tiny little .7 at the end is $700 million. That's so ridiculous. That tiny .7 is $700 million. So Jeff Bezos has 156.7 bill at his disposal. I want you to imagine something. I want you to imagine that you get out of this, this service, you're walking to your car, and your phone buzzes, and you pick it up, and it's Jeff Bezos. And he says, hey, I'm Jeff Bezos. I'm worth 156.7 bill. And I've just decided that I'm going to spend everything I have on you. My whole wealth is it's at your disposal. Whatever you want to do with it, you can have it. How would that change <laughs> your outlook on life? How would that change 
the amount of hope you walk around with, your demeanor, the way you treat people, what you look forward to, like, that would change everything. We would never see you again. You would leave Emporia, you would buy your own island, we would never hear from you ever again. Like, that's exactly what would happen. Um, but yeah, how would that change your whole life? Because I don't know if you guys realize it, but that's exactly what God has done here. He's done something better, actually. Because Jeff Bezos' money, it's sweet, but it runs out when you die, right? Like, you get it for the next 50, I don't know, ish years, whatever, and then you can't take it with you because it's gone forever. God has said the words, the immeasurable riches. He's inserted that in here for a reason because he knows that everything is his. He has everything at his disposal, and he has promised to spend everything he has on you to show you kindness forever. Like, do we get the gravity of this verse? It's honestly, it's insane. Um, I, uh, I remember being in first grade in Garden City Christian School in Mrs. Oshke's class, and we would have Bible time, and she would have these big cards with pictures, and she would explain Bible stories to us with them. You were all maybe there in one form or another with the same kind of thing. And so I remember the, the lesson about heaven. In first grade, I remember. And she's taking us through, and it's like the golden streets, the tree of life, the river of life, the shiny buildings, the pearly gates, the singing forever. And I remember thinking, this doesn't sound that great. I don't know if I'm down for this because I don't know if I want to sing forever. I barely want to sing five songs on Sunday. I don't think singing for eternity is, is my heaven. Um, and I just, <laughs> like we all do at some point, just had this warped view of heaven, didn't really know what it was. Let me tell you what heaven is. Heaven is verse 7 in, in Ephesians 2. It is God spending everything he has, using every creative idea he could ever come up with, and spending that on showing you kindness literally forever. That is heaven. And I think heaven ends when God runs out of creative ideas on how to blow our minds. Like when God runs out of creativity and runs out of resources and runs out of ways to just wow me every day when I wake up, I think that's when heaven ends. Because that is what this verse is saying. Like we need to get that, that heaven is not some place with, you know, winged angels and we're singing and it's boring forever. Leave behind your first grade conception of heaven because this is it right here in verse 7. God promises to spend his riches on you, showing you kindness forever. That is exactly what he has promised to do here. So to wrap this part up, we were children of wrath, right? We were doomed for destruction, but we are now children of a father who has promised to spend it all on us forever. Let's go to the next one, verse, verse 2 and verse 6. We're going to talk about these. We were being led by the spirit of this world, but God delivered us and he seated us with him in heaven. Let me ask you a question. What does it mean to be seated with him in heaven? Because it, it says he's already done that. It doesn't say he's going to seat us with him. It's past tense. God has seated you with him in heaven. So what does that mean? Because you're not in heaven. I know this sermon's good, but it's not that good. You are here in your chair. You're not in heaven. So what in the world does this mean? Let me answer that with a question. I've always wanted to say that. This is the perfect time to say it. Uh, what did Tony Bennett mean when he said that he left his heart in San Francisco? Right? Anyone under 25 is like, who's Tony Bennett? Is he one of the old guys on the Muppets? Who is that guy? If you're under 25, ask somebody who knows. What did it mean when Tony Bennett said he left his heart in San Francisco? Literally, he did not leave his heart in San Francisco, obviously. He is saying, if you've heard the song and you're familiar with it, he's saying that he left his affections, 
He is longing for, he desires to be, he is thinking about San Francisco. He loves that place, right? He doesn't want to leave. Um, that's what he's saying. Guys, this is, what, this is what Jesus has done with our hearts if we are in him, right? We are not physically seated in heaven yet, but he has changed our desires. We no longer desire the things of this world. He has created a longing in us for heaven. He has made us homesick for heaven if we are in him. And we no longer desire the things of this world. We are now homesick for a God we have not yet actually met face to face. We are homesick for a place that we've never been, but we know it's there and we know we're looking forward to it. That's what this means here. In this newfound desire and homesickness for heaven, it has changed our, our tastes for this world. It has changed our affections. We no longer desire the things of this world, right? We are now looking forward to God and to his presence because your heart doesn't belong to this world anymore. Your heart belongs to a new place. Let me, let me explain it further like this in case you're still in the weeds on this one. <clears throat> it's like this. It's like you were captured by Satan and drug off into enemy territory, okay? And when you got there, Satan brainwashed you, okay? And he brainwashed you to think that you were one of his. And he brainwashed you to think that you belonged in his kingdom and, and that everything there was yours. And so you're walking around brainwashed like this. One night you go to bed and God sends a group of angels over into enemy territory, and they wake you up. They slap you awake, right? And they wake you up, and they shake you out of this stupor. And they say, you know, they, they undo all of this brainwashing, and you realize, oh my gosh, this is not where I belong. This is not my home. I am not one of these. This place doesn't line up with my morals or with what I believe or what I'm longing for. I actually belong to God's kingdom, and I'm just now realizing it. Right? And that's what conversion is. It's, it's, it's waking up and realizing that you are in enemy territory. So these angels, they wake you up and they say, we're going to go back. But you've got to stay here for a while. We're going to come back again with Jesus. We're going to rescue you. And when that happens, you've got to bring as many of these people with you. But until then, you've got to live in this place as an alien. You've got to live in this place that is not your own, with tastes that are not yours, with, with people that don't value the same things that you do. You've got to be here right? That's what this is like. Guys, I don't, I don't know why anyone would ever want to be a jellyfish. Let me finish that sentence. I don't know why anyone would want to be a jellyfish just floating in the current of secularism. You know what I'm saying? Do you know what I'm talking about? Do you know, do you know people who are just lost in secularism and it's like, they're just floating, man. It's just mindless. Just whatever the trend is, we're going to do it, Right? This is cool today. We're going to do this. This is the music we're listening to. Okay, that's cool. I like that too. These are the values of the day. This is what is important to us. Oh, okay, me too. Yeah, I'll go that way with you, sure. Why would you want to be a mindless jellyfish just floating along in the current of secularism, just, just absorbing and going along with what everyone else wants? It's just mindless. Wouldn't you rather be a dolphin? Dolphins are so great, guys. Like, we literally haven't even solved echolocation yet. That's how cool dolphins are. Wouldn't you rather be a dolphin swimming against the current of secularism, making your own way, making, making your own choices and freedom in Christ and heading towards the shores of heaven? Wouldn't you rather be a dolphin that is going your own way and making your own path than a jellyfish that is just floating in the current of secularism? I, I don't know why you would choose to be a jellyfish when you could be a dolphin. That's what we're saying here. Your, your desires are not of this world. Right? You have been waking up. You have been placed in heaven with Christ, and your desires are there. They are not here. 
Last one here, verses 1, we're going to compare with 5 and 6. We were dead in our sins, but God made us alive together in Christ. This is what this is like. Um, It's like God was walking through the cemetery, and he saw the open grave of Jordan Steinman, and he walked over to it. And the grave was open, and I was in the casket, and um, I was rotting, and I was smelling, and I was disgusting because I was dead. And instead of God backing away and kind of holding his nose like he should have, um, he leans down into the grave, and he says, I want you, right? I want you. I want to make you alive. And his son is with him, and he says, would you die so that Jordan can live with me forever? And the son says, yeah. And that's the story of my conversion. That's the story of, of me knowing God and finding God. And that's your story, too. If you have found God, it really is that simple. The fact that we were literally dead, lying there in our sin, and there's no way that we could come back on our own because dead things are not, not made alive by themselves. That's the story of how I found, found Christ. Now, now, maybe that's you, too, or maybe you are a little bit not on the same page today, right? Like, maybe that's just not you. Maybe you aren't there yet in your story. In fact, maybe you're asking the question, how does this work? Like, all the things you're talking about are, are interesting, maybe, but it's just not lining up, so what's going on? Let's go to verses 8 and 9. Let's reread um, verses, verses 8 and 9, and, and this is just going to be a super brief, um, super succinct but complete explanation of the gospel right here. Verses 8 and 9. It says, For by grace you've been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one can boast. There's a phrase here I want us to focus on. By grace through faith. Let's break down what this means. By grace. What does grace mean? Grace means you are given something that you did not previously have coming your way. It means that God, for whatever reason, shows you unmerited favor that you do not deserve and you get to benefit from it. And in this context, grace means that God initiated a conversation, an interaction, a relationship with you that you had no ability to initiate on your own. And he looked down in his favor and he said, I want you. I want I want to know you. And so we're going to start this conversation. And that's what this means, that, that it was not up to us. It's not because we were good enough that God looked down and saw us. We were lying in an open grave, dying and rotting and gross. And he said, I want you. And God is the one who showed us grace and, and initiated this conversation with us. <clears throat> this next text, or this next piece of the text, through faith. What does that mean? To live through faith. We, we like to say that a lot in church. Live by faith. Live through faith. What does that mean? To me, that means... To live by faith is to trust the promises of God every single day in your life. It's to look at the word of God and it's to trust what he tells you every single life and to live your life accordingly, right? To live by faith that what God has told you is true and to live by the faith that all the promises he makes you in here are going to come true and that you don't have to go out and and make your own way, but you can just literally lean on this book and it will carry you, right? So, So what does that look like? It means that Throughout the week, when I encounter jealousy, right, not you guys because you're good people, but I'm, I'm not. So I get jealous at least a little bit about something every week probably. Um, so when I encounter jealousy, instead of giving into that and sitting in that and hating that and eating that up and letting it kill me from the inside, I remember the promise of Philippians 4.19, right? 
where God says that he will meet every need of mine according to Christ. That I don't need to be jealous because he will meet every need according to Christ. I can just, boom, I trust that promise. I don't have to deal with that anymore. When I'm going through my week and it's easy to lie about something. It's so easy to just tell a little lie. Um, yeah, Kate, I did change Jet's diaper. It's your turn. Yeah, right? Like, of course, yeah. Like, no matter how big or small the lie, when I have the urge to do that, I remember the promise of Psalm 8411 that says that God will not withhold any good thing from those who love him, right? Isn't that an insane promise? That if you are in Christ and you love God, he will not withhold any good thing from you. So you don't need to lie your way into anything, right? God is giving you every single good thing that he can if you are, if you are in him. It also means that as you're going through your week and something happens and you are you have vengeance or payback on your mind because somebody did something to you and you just need to get them back. Even if it's in a little subtle way, you need to get a little bit of payback. You can trust the promise of Romans 12, 19 where God says, I will avenge, right? I will avenge. Don't worry. Every wrong will be made right. I see everything. You don't need to go full avenger on this guy. I've got it and I will be the avenger one day, right? Trust the promises of God in our daily lives. That's what it means to live by faith. Guys, I promise you that trusting God with your life, that giving him control of the outcome of your life by trusting these promises and living by them, like there's no way for me to convince you of this if you're not in it and haven't seen it firsthand, but it will literally transform your life, man. It will transform what you care about. It will transform your stress level. It will transform you, right? It will free you up in ways that you cannot imagine. I feel so bad when people are unfamiliar with Christ and they look at Christianity and they see rules and they see chains and they see dogma and they see cans and can'ts, I feel so bad for those people because they don't know freedom. Guys, there is, and, and if you're in Christ, you know this is true, the freedom that comes with submission to this word right here, right? The freedom to trust God in, in everything that he says for you. That's not change. That is total freedom. Trusting God's word, allowing it to, to change you, um, it's going to change your life in ways that you can't imagine. <clears throat> Living by faith. That's what that looks like. Last part here. Last part is verse 10. Let me read verse 10 for us again. Guys, guys this verse, honestly, it's like such a knockout. I can't believe we just have to tackle it at the very end here. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ for good works, which Christ, I'm sorry, which God prepared for us beforehand that we might walk in them. So, for we are his workmanship, um, some versions may say, handiwork or, or, or craftsmanship, the, the word that we're trying to describe in English and doing a, not a great job of is a Greek word called poema, okay? This Greek word poema is this word workmanship or, or whatever you have there, and it literally means like piece of art, like, like artwork. Like a poema is something that an artist creates intricately, and it takes time, and they know it well, and it's made special. That is a poema, right? It's it's where we get the English word poem from. It's something that's specially crafted. It's that same kind of thing. So you are God's poema, okay? Like if you were feeling down this week about your self-worth in any way, shape, or form, you are God's poema. You are literally a piece of art that he created. That's insane. You were not an accident by any means, God not only knew you were going to exist, but he planned your existence. He made you beautiful and perfect in your own way. You are his poema, right? You may have been an accident to your parents. I have a sister like that. That's fine. It, it happens, right? I'm not going to tell you which one. There's three. Okay, it's the youngest. It's her. She'll never hear this. 
you are not an accident to God. You are his poem and his workmanship. And he not only created you special, but look at, like, read on the rest of this. This is where it really gets nuts. He created good works for you ahead of time. He prepared them for you so that you could walk in them. God not only made you special, when you are in Christ, he sets up good works for you to do in your life, right? Like, if you're a Christian and you're trying to go out and do good, it's not, it's not good within you. It's not that you're so good that you go out and do things. You're just walking in obedience, and God puts these things in your path. And you're just, he's literally setting up pins and you're knocking them down. That's all it is. Like, are you seeing a pattern here, a pattern of, of obedience? That's all this walk with Christ is. It's just living in his obedience. It's trusting his promises. It's trusting that his son, his sacrifice was enough to save you. It's trusting that in your life, God is setting up things for you to do, to knock down. It's just this pattern of, of obedience. That's what our walk with Christ is. Guys, we discussed, um, we discussed the rest of the story today. We started last week with one through three, and we talked about that, but we really, I feel like we brought it together and we filled in the rest of the gaps today because we were children of wrath. We were deserving of eternal, of eternal punishment, but God promises to show us eternal kindness by spending his riches on us. And we were following the spirit of this world. We were living out the deeds of the flesh. We associated with this world and our heart was following this world. But God freed us and then he seated us with himself in heaven. And we were dead in our sins, but God made us alive in him in a way that only he can. Here are the two words that I want you to take with you this week. These are the words, right? But God. This is how this verse starts. This is the crux of this whole passage here but God this is our answer this is our battle cry when we come up against things that frankly we can't handle on our own which is a lot more than we would like to admit so I just want this to be our battle cry I want this to be our takeaway today when we face anything in our lives that that seems hopeless when we face any inner struggle that seems unwinnable when we face um, any obstacle that just we don't even want to deal with it because it seems so impossible like audibly if you need to, but God. He is getting ready to finish the story. Do not sit in verses one through three. Do not live that way. That's exhausting. That leads to death. Move into verses four through 10. You are a poema. You have been made new. He promises you riches and kindness for the rest of eternity in his name. Go with that hope today and, and, and let, this word, let these words be your battle cry. Let me pray for us as we wrap up. Father God, we love you so much. Um, God, I just pray that these words communicated truth, that no one would, would sit here in verses one through three, that we wouldn't allow ourselves to keep going back to that God, but that we would live our lives in a way that honors you because you have transformed us, you have made us new, you have seated us with you in heaven, you have promised us riches forever, God, in your name. God, you're so good, and, and we read this, and it seems great, and it's just hard to conceptualize, in my mind at least, that you are really this good and that you really are promising us these things. But God, where we're short in faith, we pray for faith to believe these things and to live them and to walk in them. God, I pray for faith to live according to the promises of your word, God, that we would do that. Father, we love you so much. We thank you that you are with us, you are for us, and you have not completed your work in us. That there are things in our situations and our lives that are still broken, but that you are still in them, and you are still going to bring about your good, God. We love you, and we just ask for your blessing as we go from this place. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen.
and I'm going up there now to prepare a place for you.